Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. If you're not signed up, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You need to get signed up because it is not a better, there's not a better way to spend a Friday and Saturday to just pour into your marriage. I even said last week, if you're single and you're like, man, I'd like to get married someday, guess what? You don't want to marry some punk. So show up to that and figure out then like who you should marry and who you shouldn't marry. So that's the first thing. I'm just going to go off my notes for a second. First of all, some of you like to make jokes. Half of you, I don't even know because there's so many guests in the room. But for those of you that I do know, yes, I am growing my hair out. Yes, I realize that I'm going bald and that it's going gray. We will see how long it lasts. I may show up next week with my head back down slick. You never know. The mustache is not going away, even if you don't like it. So I'm just going to go ahead and get that out of the way. Thank you. And for those of you who don't know me, there's no telling what I'll say up here, so welcome to Heights. But I'm going to stress something else, for real. We're packed. And you're like, man, I, I don't, if you're new here, you're like, I don't know how I'd even get to know anyone. Like, there, I can barely walk through here. There's no seats. Missional community, just like Corey said. You're no, even if you're a regular here, you're never going to get to know people in an hour and 15 minutes or so, maybe an hour and a half today. I don't know. We'll see. But... Uh, You need to be plugged in so you can be in real community, get to know people, and have honest, real relationships. Because here's the deal. We were in this series, Psalms, uh, just trying to hear from God. And the past two weeks, we've hit on despair and we've hit on anxiety. Those are two emotions like that really none of us want to deal with, but if we're honest, we deal with them. Like we do, like you deal with being in despair sometimes where you see no hope. You deal with anxiety and you you might be thinking, no, not, not me. I'm good. I've got it all covered. Well, let's just rewind 21 months ago and then let's talk about your anxiety and your despair because on March 13th, you might've been like me sitting in a basement of this church arguing with Corey and the rest of the elders that guys, this is only going to last two weeks. We, it's going to be okay. Like, we don't need to go full remote for three months. They're like, David, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's only going to last two weeks. Well, guess what? 21 months later, here we are, and it's still going on. And so then what happened? School got shut down. Your kids, some of them, getting ready to graduate high school maybe, didn't get to experience that. Kids' sporting events. Like, you had state championships just squash. Like, if you're a Collinsville basketball fan and you remember 2020, guess what? They are number one ranked in the state. They didn't even get to go compete in the state championship. They got robbed of that. That's anxiety. That's despair. For, you might be thinking, what's the big deal? Well, for a 17-year-old kid, it's a huge deal at that moment in their life. Then it carried over right into the fall. Some of you, you've been waiting for that first day of kindergarten to send your kid to school. Take that picture. It didn't happen. 
You did remote. You just trying to make your own classroom at home. You're asking if we had tables here at the church that you could set up so you could have some type of learning situation for your kids. It, it was a mess. Like, it wasn't normal. And then in the midst of all this, we're still dealing with all the same things that was going on in our lives. People are dying, and you, and you can't have funerals, and people are dying from COVID. It, it's crazy. There's anxiety. Like, for me, I'm spoiled. Dude, we couldn't even buy toilet paper 21 months ago. We had one ply up in the church for a little bit. Do you know how stressed that made me? For real, like I want like quilted northern, like I need that stuff like nice. And we had one ply. It was a whole issue staff meeting that week. My point being is this, guys, and I'm trying, I'm lightening the mood, but we deal with these struggles all the time in lives, and we, and we try so hard like, to make things work and we, with our kids, our relationships, our marriages, our jobs, just all the little details that go into life. And what happens is sometimes things don't go the way we want it to go. And we have to, as believers, now I'm, I'm going to clarify this and just be really straightforward, as blood-bought believers, faith in Jesus Christ, like transformed, no longer dead in our sins, made new believers. We have to find joy in Jesus. You're not going to find it any, in anything else. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. So if you're like, man, I'll pop into church once in a while, go ahead. I'm glad you're here because I'm, I'm going to hit you with some truth, but you ain't going to find joy in church attendance. Just not. You're going to find joy in a relationship with Jesus, that Holy Spirit that Jeff talked about, the helper that's been sent for you. And so you might be thinking, man, I don't know. You, you're telling me you want me to find joy in all this despair. And what we do is our minds automatically go to being happy. I didn't say a thing about being happy. Like, God's not concerned with your happiness. He is concerned with you finding joy in Jesus. And there's a difference. You might be thinking, well, what is that difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what that difference is, okay? Happiness is this. It's temporary. It's just for the moment. It's fleeting. It makes you feel good in a second, but then all of a sudden it's like, dang it. Well, that didn't last very long. Let me go find that again and again and again. And then it's external because it's all things of this world. It's not eternal. It's not, the, it's not internal inside you giving you a, just a peace and a joy, and then here's the worst part about happiness, I think, is this, and it's not wrong to be happy, so don't hear me saying that, but it's that you want to take. Happiness is about you taking. Like, what do I get? What do I get in this? What do I get in return? If I can take, I can take, I can take. But see, joy is this. It's eternal. It's never going to end. Like, because if, if you have joy, it's coming from the source of all joy, which is Jesus, and so it's never going to end. And then it's internal because the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you as a blood-bought believer, it's, that's where that joy is coming from. It's not coming from something you mustered up on your own, but then it allows you to give of yourself because a lot of us, we don't, man, like, I, I got to do this for somebody else. But when you have joy, it, it's okay to give of your time, of your emotions, of your resources, of your home, of your, of your things, whatever it means. Like there's joy in that because you care for one another. And you're finding joy in that. So to, to just to be clear, I'm not telling you to be happy in your hard times. I'm just telling you to find Jesus who is a source of joy in your hard times. You find Jesus, you sit at the feet of Jesus, you're going to have joy during the hard times. And yeah, you're going to have some good times. They're going to be happy, hopefully. But 
If you remember two weeks ago when like literally no one was here, now it's packed, I preached on despair. And I had a big idea, which was this. Your happily ever after may only be in eternity. Well, all I did for this week for this sermon was tweak that truth to this big idea that'll be on the screen. The truth that your happily ever after could only be in eternity should create joy in the present. Well, you think, well, what does that mean? Well, here's the deal. If you know that there's an eternal joy awaiting you, then that means you can look at this life and know this is just a blip on the radar, that it's not permanent, this is not forever, this is not how you're going to have for the rest of existence, because there's a joy that's awaiting you that's forever. And so that's just, and how I know that is this, is I'm going to give you a sneak peek at my last point, is joy has the final word. Now, we're going to build back up to that and go through some other points to get there. And I've got all the time I need, Corey said, because in the first service, he was sitting right there in the front row. And about 10.05, I kept looking at him, and he kept looking at his watch. It's like, dang, if Corey's thinking I'm going long, then you know I went long. And so I, like, skipped a bunch of stuff, and then I said something to him, and he goes, dude, I was getting text messages. I don't care how long you preach. So buckle up. Here we go, all right? First thing we got to get is this, if we're going to find joy, is we have to lose the never me mentality. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's because you missed, we read scripture at the beginning of the service. We're in Psalm 30. For those of you who want to flip in a Bible, there's Bibles underneath the chairs there if you want one. We're in Psalm 30. And we look there at verse 6 in Psalm 30. And if we can put this on the screen to Tristan, that'd be awesome. Verse six, it says, as for me, David's writing this, King David, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Things have finally started going well for David. If you know anything about King David, he was not always king. He was a 15-year-old shepherd taking care of his dad's sheep. And all of a sudden, Samuel shows up and anoints him king. He becomes king about 20 years later. 15 to 20 years later, he goes through all kinds of trials and ups and downs, hiding in caves, Saul trying to kill him, who was the present king. It's a mess. And now finally he's king. Things are going well for him. And he has got prosperity in all kinds of ways, not just financially. And he has said, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. He thought he was untouchable. Untouchable. How many of us are like that? Your 401k is going good. Your job's solid, you're up for a promotion. Your kids, they behave, they listen to you, they got good grades, they're not getting in trouble. You're healthy, you're solid. You're thinking, man, nothing could go bad. Nothing could go bad for me. But then we start to get cocky like David, and you think, oh, I don't get cocky. I do. I get real cocky. About a week and a half or so ago, um, I, everyone was getting COVID, right? Like we got just ravaged with it, like with this Omicron deal. And I was like bragging to my wife. I was like, I didn't get COVID. It's why I work out every day. It's why I try to eat healthy. People should work out. I was being all arrogant about it. And Emily looked at me and she said, God's going to strike you down. And I was like, all right, thank you, Emily, for hitting me with the gospel. And you know what happened? Last Saturday, sorry, oh no. I'm stuffy. I couldn't sleep Saturday night because I had drainage. I was so stressed. I was like, that's it. Emily's right. I'm going to get COVID. So then, I, but I took a test Sunday. 
It was negative. And then it didn't get any better. And I'm a sissy. So I was like, I better take two more tests on Monday. So I did one in the nose, one in the throat. And I'm like, still negative. I just have a cold. But then I looked at Emily. And I said, gosh, if this is how bad I'm feeling over a cold, if I get COVID, just put me down. Just get me, just get, just get it over with. But I, I was seriously like so cocky. Like, oh, oh that'll never happen to me. I, I'm careful. I do what I do. And, I, and if any of you know me, like I'm not like super like cautious about any of it. But I'm just thinking, oh, I've got this. But God's like, do you? Watch this. You can't handle a cold, David. And I'll tell you what, for all you women laughing, you're thinking, yeah, because you had the man cold. You might give birth, but ain't none of you ever had a man cold. So you don't know how bad it is. You don't know. You don't know. But that's right. So, but we, for real, we go in this life thinking, oh, I'm good. My finances are good. My kids are tracking. And then what happens is something bad happens. Like tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, literally the stock market could crash. And then you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And some of us were like, man, well, I got 30 more years. Some of you don't have 30 more years of work. You're like thinking, I'm going to retire next week. I'm going to retire next year. I'm going to retire in five years. And now the stock market's crashing. You're like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, this is bad. Some of us, I mean, literally would freak out if the stock market crashed. I, could be, I have a doctor's appointment Tuesday. I could be standing here right now. I could have cancer. I don't know. I might. Could. None of us know, like, what's going to happen. And so when we have this never-me mentality, it's, it's from the world. It's from the world. Because then when bad things happen, we always see it as like, oh, I did something wrong. Sometimes it has nothing to do with that you did anything wrong. It's just God maybe is correcting you. He's testing you. He's putting you in a position. Not that he does evil because he does not do evil, but he allows everything to happen or not to happen because he is sovereign. You see, our mentality matters. And I want you to, to hear this from Romans 12, too. I think this will be on the screen. I'm going to just read it slow. I'm going to break it down for you to show you why having a mentality matters and having joy. Paul writes this to the, to the believers in Rome. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he's saying, don't have a worldly mindset. Like, let that be transformed. Get rid of that. Because here's the deal. When you become a believer, yes, you are made new. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You're no longer dead in your sins. You're now alive in Christ. But it's more than that. Your mind should be being made new as well. It shouldn't just be parts of you. We don't segregate out sections of us that we're going to give to Jesus. We give all of us to ourselves to Jesus now. And so we've been made new. So there's a biblical truth in that. And if we have our minds made new, we can discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so you might be like, man, I'm going through a season that's hard. Perhaps that's just God's will for your life. But if we have a never me mentality, we can't see it that way because we're so stuck that that should not happen to us because we don't deserve that to happen to us. I'm just going to go ahead and break the news to you now. You don't deserve anything good. I don't deserve anything good. I don't deserve a wife. I don't deserve my house. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve this job. I deserve hell and that's it. Corey said I was Southern Baptist, there it was. Like, that's the truth, right? And mentality matters. I've been coaching basketball, which is so ironic, okay, because I wrestled growing up from the time I was eight through high school. Do you know what wrestlers and basketball players have in common? Thank you, Mike. Mike knows because Mike wrestled nothing, okay? But I know this. 
I know that if you're out there playing basketball and you miss a shot and then you're all upset and you're down, that you, you're probably not going to make the next shot. That if you're yelling at your teammates because you're upset because they didn't do what they wanted, you didn't pass the ball, or you're mad at the ref because he made a bad call, or you're mad at me because I subbed in someone else for you and you're all confused and you're just in a fluster, you're not going to play well because mentality matters. And so if it matters and something is really not that important to sports, then trust me, it matters in our spiritual life that we have a mentality to lose that never me. And so I, I, as much as I drill that into kids' heads, like, hey, just worry about what you can control. Worry about you. Worry about what you're doing, your effort, your abilities, what you've done, and then just do that. Don't worry about anything else. I would encourage you really with the same thing to find joy. Worry about what you can control, and it's how you sit at the feet of Jesus. That's what you can control. You can't control what happens tomorrow. None of us can. Because bad things are going to happen to people all the time. I can guarantee you three things in your life. Things break, relationships end, and people die. Those three things are a guarantee. They're going to happen. And so we have to be willing to say, you know what? That could happen to me tomorrow. That could happen to me next year. And I'm going to find joy in that. But as we move on, then what we do is we have to see prosperity and poverty as both from God. We have to see both of those as from God. I'm thinking they'll be up on the screen for you, for you note-takers, that see prosperity and poverty as both from God. And let me clarify what I mean. I do not just mean financial prosperity and financial poverty. I'm talking spiritual. I'm talking health-wise, mental, financially, relationally, whatever else you want to plug in there, prosperity and poverty in all those areas. Both are from God. He puts us in different situations at different times, and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can, you know, really believe that, because if, if I just would work hard at those things, at my job, at my relationships, at my health, then everything's going to work out. And then what the problem is, is we will lack sympathy when we don't have joy, because then you'll look at people who don't, like, are going through a hard time, and you're like, yeah, well, if they would just do this. If they would just try harder in their marriage, if they would just work harder at their job, if they would have picked a better college degree, they would make more money or whatever. You know, like we always like want to blame something. Have you ever just thought that maybe God in his sovereignty said, you know what, I need to put that person in this position for a season to humble them? That's what he did with David. It's exactly what we see because he says in verse 7, David writes, By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. So, that mindset that, oh, God's not involved in my circumstances. He's just up there. He doesn't care. I promise you this. He cares about every minute detail of your life. He cares about every last thing you experience that you're going through, and he has not let any of it happen by surprise to him. He is in control of it all. So when David writes that, he's like, man, this was all God's doing. It was either by God's favor or by God hiding his face. So God, sometimes, though, what we have to see is that God's temporal favor in this life is not an expression of his enduring favor because he may take it away from you. And then you could also say like this. I want you to think this through when we see the prosperity and poverty is we think, well, temporal favor, like us right here. The majority of this room are white, middle-class, Midwesterns, Americans. That's, that's the majority of this room, okay? Not everyone was born here. Like, you, you're thinking, well, I'm not that wealthy, David, so I don't, you're talking about all this prosperity. I'm not that wealthy. I'm not talking like that. I've walked the streets of the slums in Uganda, and I've seen true poverty, 
but yet I've seen true joy. Uh, Jerry and Elsa Sabini, they were in the um, first service, and if you know them, they just had twins a few months ago, and it made me think. Like, it wasn't even my notes, but it made me think about a time I was in the slums, and there was just this narrow, narrow street in Kampala. We're walking down it, and we're, we go to see this lady who had just had twins. They're like, I don't know, six months to a year old. I have twins. They're 12 now, and so, like, it kind of just resonated with me. Like, this lady, she had preemies, twins, you know where she had them at? Not in the hospital, in her house that was maybe from here to there, block walls, dirty floor, just a mess. Like there was nothing that was clean. It wasn't sanitary so that she could have these babies in a nice clean atmosphere. Like she didn't have a whole lot going on that you would consider prosperity, that I would consider prosperity. But I'm going to tell you, she had joy in Jesus. I've watched people there with food and, and, and thinking like they don't have, they're wondering where their next drink of clean water is going to come from, where their food's going to come from, how they're going to eat, how they're going to send their kids to school. But yet they have more joy in Jesus than any of us could even fathom. It's because it's not always about knowing like, oh, well, God's done this to me or God's allowed this to happen. Woe is me. It's saying, you know what, God, you placed me here for a reason. Sometimes I wish I could be maybe in that situation because I would less clutter in my mind, less clutter in my life, and I could focus in on him more. See, we forget Jesus' own words. This is not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you from Matthew 5. This is Sermon on the Mount. And this is so important. I'm going to read it slow because I'm a fast talker, and I really want you to, to hear me, but to hear Jesus, okay? This is what Jesus says. Listen, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others rival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You guys hear that? It's not blessed for those of you that are wealthy, blessed for those of you whose marriage is solid, blessed for this, blessed for that. It is all this is nothing that we honestly desire to be in in our lives. None of us really want to be meek. None of us really want to be poor in spirit. None of us honestly want to be peacemakers because you want to be right. You want to argue your point. You want to get through and, and be heard. And he's saying, no, no, in your poverty, in all these different areas of poverty, you're blessed because there's a greater joy that comes from Jesus and it's awaiting you for all of eternity. You're blessed. And David, though he was dismayed, and literally he said, you hid your face, I was dismayed. He knows that God was shaping him and testing him and putting him through this because he became cocky. He became no longer relying on God and he's a man after God's own heart. And he's like, watch this. Let me reorient your mind and point you back to Jesus, which he didn't know Jesus then, but he, he knew there was a coming Messiah. So David, he realizes that. He saw God's hand in all of it, and you know what he never stopped doing? He never stopped praising God and the good and the bad. He never stopped. 
No matter if it was good, if it was bad, whatever he was going, he never stopped praising God in the good and the bad. If we can get that on the screen too, Tristan. I think there's a slide there for that. There we go. So we'd like to keep you note takers going. So here, here's the deal. Like it was awesome. 30 minutes ago, this room's packed. We're singing. People's hands are raised. People are clapping. Like it was, it was full. Like if you were here, you're like, man, this is, this is awesome. God was moving. You know when God also moved? He moved two weeks ago when there's like 20 of you all in here and we prayed and we didn't sing one song and just Katie sat on that keyboard and played. So I want to get through to your head the praise, praising God and the good, the bad, whatever situation you're in, it has nothing to do with music. I mean, it's good. Like I think this is God honoring. There's no doubt about it. I love it. But we, have to, we can praise God with our actions. I was talking to one of our oldest covenant members um, after the second service, or after the first service, just a little bit ago, and she lives in a nursing home, she, or assisted living, whatever, and she's like, man, it's so good to be here. She doesn't get to come every week, you know, she's not here every week, and she was just talking about how this sermon really spoke to her, and just that she has joy. Her husband passed away about a year ago, or in 2021, and she's just like, you know, some of these other residents there, where I live, they don't understand they don't understand why I don't seem lonely. Why I don't understand, they don't understand why I don't seem upset or mad that I'm stuck here and my husband's gone now. And I try to tell them it's because of Jesus. And I was like, and she's like, one day I'm gonna see him again. I'm gonna be back with him. But he wouldn't have ever trade coming back to me. He, she, she's like, she wouldn't, he would never, like, he loved me and he, he's not coming back. Like, even if he could, like, he's, he's in the glory of Jesus, all the source of joy, like you said. And I, she's like, but God's got me still here for a reason. Because she's able to be a testament, testament to all these other older senior folks who are like, man, like, what's going on? This is horrible. It's not how I thought the end of my life would be. But she's a testament to them because she's still praising God in the good and the bad. And she only gets to come to church about once a month. Take that in for a second. Like, you go through your life, like, every day what you're doing, how people see you respond to your boss, to your coworker, to your kids. Like, are you willing to, like, apologize where you screwed up? Like, I, I, I was so frustrated yesterday in our loss in basketball. Like, I, I left, and, and, like, we barely talked to the team. And, like, so I sent out a message to all the parents last night, like, to apologize and say I'm sorry because I should have took more time with those kids because it, they're kids. Okay, they lost. Big deal. You know who's going to remember that in 20 years? No one. So, like, I should have been there and, like, been a coach, been a dad, been a friend, been a pastor for God's sake right? And so like in my own worship of praising God, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. We can praise God in so many situations when our life is going bad. And that's what David says, like in verses one through four, he's, he's like, I will extol you, O Lord. I will extol you, which we'll get to what that means. For you have drawn me up and you, net lo- you have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up Brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. And then in verses 8 and 12, 8 through 12, he says, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? 
Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. You have clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David is less concerned about his own position, but more concerned about the glory of God being praised in all all that he's doing. And here's why. Verse one, when he says, I'll extol you, that means to praise enthusiastically. Like he is not, like this dude's probably not Southern Baptist. He's charismatic. He's getting with it because he's pumped that he gets to serve this God. He is excited to serve him, to praise him and all that he's doing. And then he goes on. He said, I cried out to you. When's the last time you cried out to the Lord in prayer? Some of us will pray, God, thank you for this food. Um, please make it, this Taco Bell nourish me. And um, amen. And then like, you can't even like finish saying amen. You done shovel that Dorito taco in your mouth. That's not crying out to the Lord. Like that's not, that's just, I don't even know if that's good. Like honestly, like sometimes we need to like probably slow down again. Like thank God for your food because you're blessed you get to be eating. But my point is, is like, praise, cry out to him. And then David goes on. He's thanking him. You, you brought me up from Sheol, my soul. And I'm going to explain what that means in a second because it's important to see because it's a very clear illustration. But David's also in verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints. He's calling out other believers, other God-fearing followers of, of God to cry out, to worship him. Like that's Give thanks to his holy name. You got to thank God. And all this led to joy because we see you've turned for me, my mourning into dancing. He says that again there in, in verse uh, five for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He knows that, that God is at work and that he outside of God was as good as dead. That's why he writes that he was going down to Sheol. Let me explain what that is really quick. Okay, before Jesus came and lived on this earth, died on the cross, buried in a tomb, rose to, to life again on the third day and ascended into heaven, everyone who died went to Sheol. I'm going to clear this up real quick. Not purgatory, okay? Not in the Bible. So any post-Catholics or whatever, that's not in the Bible. There is no purgatory. Sheol was the place that where the dead went. On one side of a chasm, you had the wicked, the unrighteous, who would one day spend eternity in hell. On the other side of the chasm, you had those who were righteous and had, had faith in a coming Messiah, Jesus. Okay? On Saturday, Holy Saturday, Jesus descended to Sheol, he, did not pun he was not punished, he did not suffer there, but he loosened the chains of death. Hint, he had victory over death and sin, okay? And by that, he then ushered the righteous to heaven to be with him now. So now, a believer, if you were to die here in this moment, if you're a born-again believer, you will go directly to be in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Now, I don't know, because I did not have time to study this, because I didn't finish this sermon till last night. I still don't know if people go directly to hell or if they stay in Sheol. But I'm going to tell you what, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, in eternity, they will spend eternity in hell. So if that clears that up, but that's where David felt like he was going, to the land of the dead. Because there wasn't the presence of God like what we know now or what they would know in heaven. And he's saying, God, you bring me up. 
Bring me up so that I may worship you, so I may praise you, that I may have a voice for you. Because if I don't, who's going to tell of your faithfulness? Will the dust praise you? Hear me, O Lord. Be merciful to me. Be my helper. He is crying out to God. He wants so bad to sing to him that he says in verse 12, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. So like, what does that mean? Because we're supposed to give glory to God. It ain't about us getting glory. And he says that my glory may praise you. So what he's saying is this, with all of my being, all that I am, not just on Sunday mornings with my voice, everything, everything. Literally, he's saying what Jesus says in Matthew 22 when he's asked what the greatest commandment is. And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So with all of who you are, praise God without stopping, without ceasing. And you can do that without just singing if you've got that through it yet and you're hearing me. I just want you to know, like, you're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through despair, anxiety, other emotions that are hard. But we find joy knowing this, that joy has the final word. It's that last point that I I gave you that hint at is joy has the final word. So we live out this life. We don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. Really, none of us know what tomorrow holds. We think we do. We got a schedule. You got your calendar. You're ready to roll. But we don't know. But what we do know is this, is that Jesus wins. Like we get to read the last chapter of the whole story. He wins. He's victorious. Nothing else can happen. At the end of the story, it's him. At the beginning of the story, it was him. But at the end of the story, it's like I fixed everything. It's all back together. And now you get to just marvel at it. It's sitting at the feet of my throne in eternity with him. Joy has the final word. Jesus wins. And so even if right now you're in a season maybe where you feel like what Corey explained last week where the good shepherd, like Jesus, you know, it says that he comforts with the rod and the staff. Sometimes you need, I especially know I need it, you need whacked with that rod. And be like, hey, hey, you, dummy, follow me. Stop following the world. Like I need it probably more often than he even does. That season, that's okay. Like, find joy in that, that he loves you enough that he would correct you because he has a final word. He's victorious. He's drawing you back to him. So David, he writes that, that he's dismayed because God hid his face from him. He was dismayed. If he was dismayed because God hid his face from him, does that not give us more context for why Jesus was sweating drips of blood in the garden? Okay, because when he's in the garden before he goes to the cross, he knows that God's getting ready to hide his face from him because he's going to bear the sin of the whole world and God will not look upon sin. All right, so you got Jesus. David's dismayed, like he's upset. Jesus is sweating drips of blood because he knows that this perfect unity, the triune God, God, Father, Son, Spirit, is getting ready to get ripped apart because he cannot look upon sin. And Jesus is going to bear the sin of the whole world. Everyone who's ever existed, he's going to bear that sin. And he's going to, God is literally going to hide his face from his son whom he loves. You want to know why? So you might experience grace, which would be followed by joy. 
It was coming in the morning. Though there might have been suffering Friday night. There might have been questions and sorrow on Saturday when his, when his followers like, where's he at? Where's he come? I thought he was going to resurrect. Sunday morning, there was the empty tomb. Like there was joy. Joy comes in the morning and that's for forever. It's, that's it. It's done. And some of you right now, you're sitting here saying, I don't know if I believe that. My life has been a wreck. Trust me. You will not look back at this life and think, man, if that would have just been better, I would sure enjoy heaven more. It's not going to be that. And for those of you in this room that do not know Jesus, because I would bet money on it in a room with this many people, some of you all ain't believers. Some of you have not genuinely put your trust in Jesus and just given your whole life to him and cried out to him like it says in Romans 10, 13, like cry out to the Lord and he will save you. Some of you have never done that. You will never experience this joy and your happiness will be fleeting every moment. You're just going to keep searching for it and searching for it, thinking, man, if I just accomplish this, I just do this, I'm going to get it. You won't. You won't. And only sadness and sorrow awaits you apart from Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this up because I've been going for a bit. And I, just, I want you to respond. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to take communion. For those of you who are Christians, like you know, like you've put your faith in Jesus. Like, I mean, I, this is what he's done. Body broken, his blood spilled, so that his grace may follow me then, because he saved me in his grace. Now I have joy. Like we take this, and this is, this is rejoicing. But for those of you in this room, you're like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I'm begging of you. Just cry out to God and ask him to show you that he's real, that he loves you, that he cares for you, and that he will move in your life. And if you got more questions, then talk to me afterwards, because I would love to tell you more about it. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you sent your son. And Jesus, I thank you that you're willing to go to the cross to have your father's face hid from you so that we may not have to have his face hidden from us for all of eternity. And then, Jesus, you sent us a helper so that we might find joy in your spirit dwelling inside of us. So, God, we thank you for all that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what it says concerning communion. For Paul writes to the church at Corinth, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim his death.